want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the streets. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value! I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome to the first episode of the Obedient Worker Podcast. I am your host, Michael Dell, your uh, humble, obedient worker. And joining me today for this momentous occasion is my personal attorney, longtime chum, Tuffy. Hello. <laughs> There's Tuffy, everybody. It's Tuffy. Now, Tuffy, I've been kicking around this idea of doing a conspiracy-only show, or maybe we'll call it alternative news show, uh, just so people don't get angry. Um, but I've been kicking around this idea for a long time. I was going to do it by myself, but it's just weird talking by myself. I can't. I don't know. I can't do it. It's just yeah. strange. We'll, we'll save that for when I'm an old bitter. Like I'm an old bitter man now, but I'm like a really old bitter man. Like when I'm standing outside grocery stores, just yelling at the sky. That'll be when we when I do it on my own. But for now, I needed a sidekick. Someone yeah, to I talk mean, to. Given your lifestyle, you spent enough time talking to yourself, probably. <laughs> yes. And I and I tend to get riled up over these things. So it would, I thought I need someone level-headed, someone calm. <laughs> And that's you, Tuffy. I, I, I have only that. heard you get excited or angry uh, one time, and that's when yeah. you know you're discussing Star Wars movies. Yeah, you're very, very upset. The, the important things in life. <laughs> but otherwise, you're very calm. So you're the voice of reason. All right. Yeah. So if I step out of bounds here, getting too loopy, you just <laughs> you calm me down. You bring me down. And also, as I mentioned, you are my personal attorney, and there's chances are I, I will say something that will get me sued. During the course yeah, of the show. yeah. So, just a warning. This this conversation is not privileged in any way. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Uh, so yeah, the Obedient Worker Podcast. Uh, that's what I used to uh, call my other, you know, Twitter handle when I was getting suspended all the time. Uh, and it relates to a uh, George Carlin quote. And I'll probably play it at the end of the show. So if you hang around, you can hear that. And what else I was going to say? I don't think we'll do this every week. Uh, just because it's a lot of uh, work, and I already do enough nonsense on the fake radio every week. But maybe, you know, once every couple weeks. Uh, who knows? We'll see. Uh, whenever there's an urge to do it, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Because so, Tuffy's very busy. I can't count on Tuffy to do this every week. Right, well, Tuffy? once, like... Uh... Labor Day, end of September comes. I'm pretty much free. Ah. Once the summer's over. Oh, really? Huh. Once boating season's done, I got nothing. Right, once, once, once boating season's done, we'll do it every night. It'll be great. So there it is. That's uh, the base. And, and again, each show will like uh, maybe look at some news stories, uh, and then there'll be one big story we're, we'll talk about. And I also want to do some little gimmick at the end, kind of like uh, our buddy the Dave's jerk list. Back in the day, where you highlight one person who's uh, like the biggest scoundrel of the week or something. But I don't know. I, it seems like a lot of work. 
I probably won't do that. Yeah, and I like to think of this as, you know, you're the uh, Fox Mulder, you know, the guy who uh, <laughs> knows all the theories, and I think I'll be very much the smoking man, as I will be smoking during oh. any episode we probably do. So I thought you were going to be Scully. You don't want to be Scully. You want to be the smoking man. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Um, I, I've never really, uh, I think in my whole life I've watched maybe like 10 or 12 episodes of the X-Files. Somewhere around there. It's very good. All right. So uh, it's about space monkeys, right? Yeah. His sister was abducted by a space monkey. Yes. And well, there's a whole, yeah. The the series long uh, sort of story is kind of weird, but gets really weird at the end. All right. Well, maybe I'll uh, dig into that at some point, but I doubt it. All right. So here we go. Let's start talking the news. These are uh, just three stories lately that have been in the news that I don't, I'm not sure if the mainstream media is talking about too much, but uh, I just wanted to highlight. Uh, first, of course, uh, our, our old buddy Ghislaine Maxwell, who is uh, Jeffrey Epstein's longtime companion. She's been in the news because they're supposed to release some documents. Uh, I believe her uh, deposition that she gave in 2016 supposed to be released and then uh some judges in an appeals court said nope we gotta we're gonna block them so they're gonna have a hearing september 22nd to determine whether they should release those documents or not but there were some other documents uh unredacted or unsealed or whatever you want to say on thursday but this is all old stuff people are acting like this is new this is all very old stuff um that i read about many years ago this is uh, i think from the first epstein case way back in the day. Uh, but for those who haven't uh, heard these things, the person testifying was a young woman named Virginia Roberts. And she basically said that Epstein and Maxwell were trafficking her to famous people, uh, celebrities, politicians, including uh, Prince Andrew, Alan Dershowitz, uh, Bill Robert, or who else? Uh, Bill Richardson. And, of course, Bill Clinton and uh, a bunch of people. And she said that she never saw Trump on the island or at Epstein's home. She never saw him with Epstein or with any of the girls and that he never flirted with her. Because Trump and Epstein were good buddies as well, of course. Now, um, you'll never hear that in the media, though, that she never saw Trump there. Because, uh, but she did say uh, she saw Bill Clinton on Epstein's island, which every Epstein and Maxwell and two young girls, and that sexual orgies were regular occurrences. So, there you go. Uh, Epstein bragged about having 12-year-old girls flown in from French families for his birthday, from poor French families. And, and that's really where they, they get a lot of these girls from uh, European countries. They, they, they prowl these uh, poor families, they recruit their girls, and Epstein takes them in, and he uses them to blackmail politicians and uh, other powerful folks. And he does that to pass the, the Israeli Mossad, but you never hear about that talk either. Uh, also, uh, Virginia Roberts, she listed some names she saw flying on Epstein's private jet. Uh, Naomi Campbell, Heidi Klum, uh, Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore, Simpsons co-creator Matt Groening, <laughs> which we've talked about before, and uh, Jacques Cousteau's granddaughter, Alexandra Cousteau. Seems weird. Uh, she also said not, not only did Alan Dershowitz abuse the minor, but he helped draft a non-prosecution agreement that gave Dershowitz immunity back in the first Epstein trial. 
yeah, Dershowitz is a slew, a limey little weasel. And I, I think our next episode we'll do with uh, we'll deal with Trump in the next episode, because for those who want to say that he's their hero and he's he's trying to fight the good fight, he's still buddies with Dershowitz. Like when he got in trouble, he had Der- Dershowitz was his attorney. So that's why it's I really do think after four years of this presidency, I, I really do think it's all professional wrestling. Like, uh, you know, he's the iron Trump's position as the iron chic. You know, just hates him. And uh, every every Democrat in the world is Hogan. And, you know, but they're on the same team. That's what it seems to me. But we'll get into it next week, maybe. So, Tuffy, uh, do you have any thoughts on the Ghislaine Maxwell stuff? Um, no, I mean, you haven't watched the Netflix documentary about Jeffrey Correct. Epstein. So, I mean, I had heard all of this back on the LCS hockey show years ago. You went over this stuff, you know, yes. probably eight years ago at this point. <laughs> and then I did watch. Time. Yeah. So I did watch the Netflix documentary. There's nothing really new in that. I guess there's more specific, like victim, you know, testimony, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know. So you get more specifics from the actual victims as opposed to just, you know, Mike Dell saying this person said this and this person said this. But, uh, yeah, it's all it's all back in the LCS archive. So go back and just search through those <laughs> through the hundreds yes. of episodes to see if you can find that one. Good luck. Now, that, that documentary, I heard it was kind of hooey and applesauce like they were hiding. A lot. Did they ever mention his ties to the Israelis and Mossad or anything? That did not come up. No. Did they talk about Maxwell's father? And his ties to the Israeli Mossad? I don't think so. I think they only mentioned her as, you know, being from wealth. I don't know if there was any specific mention yeah. of what that was. And how her sisters are prominent. Uh, they, they designed software used by many important American corporations and businesses and government Yeah, that agencies. definitely didn't come up. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I mean. They, they, uh, they only talk about certain things. But uh, they yeah, don't talk more- about the real dirty stuff. It's more of an expose of the wealthy as opposed to an expose of the world elite, I would guess I would describe it. Yes. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, Epstein's little black book had every rich person in it, um, you know, because they all hung out together and stuff. So there you go. All right. The, the second story I would like to discuss, um, the uh, random attack on uh, or so supposedly random on uh, Judge Esther Salas. Um, have you heard of this, Tuffy? Uh, judge Esther Salas, she's a New Jersey District Court judge. On July 19th, her 20-year-old son was shot and killed when he opened the door to a man posing as a FedEx driver. The man also shot and critically wounded Salas's husband. And the next day, a 72-year-old attorney named Roy Den Hollander was named as the primary suspect after being found dead in apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound in the head. Uh, did you hear this, Tuffy? I have heard about this. Uh, there was some news article today about her calling for more protection for judges or something. Yeah, that was like her big first public uh, appearance saying that uh, federal judges, their uh, their ad- home addresses and stuff should be more protected. But, I mean, if someone wants to find a federal judge, it's not that hard. Just go to the court and follow them home. <laughs> it's not, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to find you. If, if they want to find you, they're going to find you. Um but so they, they said this Roy Den Hollander guy, uh, he was a, like a, a rabid anti-feminist. And he had presented a case uh, before Salas, uh, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago or several months ago. But uh, I guess he was um, trying to, uh, he, he filed some lawsuit against like the male-only military draft. 
and how uh, it's not fair to men. And this was kind of his thing, his gimmick. He would he would make all these lawsuits trying to defend men against feminism. And it turns out that a week earlier, a attorney, a men's rights attorney named Michael Angelucci was murdered in California under similar circumstances. A FedEx driver came to the door. He opened the door. He shot him. Um, so they connected, the authorities connected uh, Rory Den Hollander to that murder. And they're just blaming everything on, uh, you know, him being anti-feminist. And I guess he had a personal grudge with this Mike uh, Angelucci, who's a men's rights attorney. Like they were feuding over something. And this Hollander also had several social media posts ridiculing Solace. So it seemed like there's a lot of heat there. So, you know, and then the next day, of course, he finds up, he's, he winds up dead. So it's all done. You know, it's all simple and not so fast, my friend. There's some more stuff to this. So it turns out that uh, four days before her son was killed, Solace was appointed to a prominent Deutsche Bank case involving Jeffrey Epstein. Because people were uh, mad at Deutsche Bank because they weren't protecting their investments because they were giving money to uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, and other you know, shady people. So this Deutsche Bank case is going to start. She gets assigned to it. Four days later, her son gets killed. And this Hollander, this supposed shooter, had also worked for something called Kroll Associates. Now, we've talked about Kroll Associates a lot of times on LCS. Um, they're basically a private CIA. And if you recall, Tuffy, uh, the guy who started it, Jules Kroll, is the daddy of Nick Kroll, Ruxin on the league. Yeah. <laughs> that was his daddy. He started Kroll Associates. And this Hollander fella, he worked in their Moscow office. And uh, what was his job there at the Moscow office? I wrote it down here somewhere. Oh, he managed and upgraded Kroll's delivery of intelligence and security in the former Soviet Union from 1999 to 2000. And Kroll is also connected to Black Cube, an Israeli uh, intelligence agency. So they, they hire a bunch of the same people. And Kroll also has extensive ties to Deutsche Bank. So it would seem that there may have been more going on here. Uh, because how many 72-year-old attorneys you know, Tubby, would go to California to impersonate a FedEx driver? Because you see a lot of 72-year-old FedEx drivers. I think that's pretty common. You know, yeah, well, you know, drivers. times are tough these days. People need to find work wherever they can. <laughs> so he goes out to California, murders that one attorney. He comes back to New Jersey and, and murders uh, the, the son and the de- and the shoots of the husband. The, the Esther Salas, the is supposed to target of all this she was in the basement at the time so he didn't he just shot them and left and then the next day they just find him with a gunshot wound in his head now if i were a conspiracy theorist of i would say that that guy did not do the shootings <laughs> and that they just put a bullet in his head to come make it seem like he did the shoot that's just me um but you know because now he can't testify no one is around to identify who the shooter really was because the husband can't even like identify him because uh, he's messed up. Uh, it looks like he's going to survive, but he's still in, uh, I think, critical, still in the hospital. Uh, he got shot three times. Um, so, yeah, tragic events. But is it really as simple as the media is saying? Eh, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I'll keep an eye on it. Uh, but he knows what will come of it. Anytime Kroll Associates are involved, shit is weird. Yeah, you can count on that. 
Well, see, that's All a right. weird one because uh, not only is Nick Kroll involved in that then, but um, there's a soccer show that I watch called Men and Blazers. One of the hosts of that is married to one of Kroll's daughters. Ooh. So, oh. you know, it's a small world. Yeah, and if you want to read a good article about this, an excellent reporter, her name is Whitney Webb, and she wrote an article called Alleged Salas Family Assailant Previously Worked for U.S. Israeli Intelligence-Linked Firm. Um, I highly recommend the work of Whitney Webb if you want to read more about that. All right, so the third story I want to talk about, uh, Chinese seeds. <laughs> People all across the U.S. started receiving packages of seeds from China. Have you heard of this, Tuffy? Yes, I have. Oh, all right. Um, so what did you hear? Uh, people are getting weird seeds that they don't know what they are. They're being told not to plant them, but some people are planting them anyways. One of the yes. operating theories is that uh, it could be people trying to game either Amazon or Alibaba by just making fake orders to make them look like better sellers yes. or improve their ranking as sellers or something like that. Yeah, or- originally people were freaking out. They're like, oh, is this... Uh some sort of a Chinese biological attack on the U.S. They're, they're sending these seeds over, hoping people will plant the seeds, and the seeds will, you know, kill crops, poison our food supply, and all this other stuff. But, uh, yeah, it looks like it's just a scam. Um, and they did uh, inspect, inspect the seeds, and there was mustard, cabbage, morning glory, mint, sage, rosemary, lavender, hibiscus, and roses. Well, that's pretty nice. Someone just sends you roses. Um, but yeah, this kind of a scam is called a brushing scam. And this uh, people will send unsolicited packages to someone with uh, either empty boxes sometimes or just very small, inexpensive items like, you know, seeds. And then they claim the orders as real to boost their online sales numbers and to produce fraudulent positive reviews. Uh, don't ask me how they can do this, but uh, apparently if they send an order to someone then they have their name and their address and they can like log in under them or something. I don't know. And they, they bump up their reviews like Tuffy was saying on Amazon and Alibaba. <laughs> Is that what you said? Alibaba. Yeah. That's one of the big, uh, Chinese e-commerce websites. Yeah. So it just seems like an online scam. Uh, but, uh, the authorities have said, if you get a package of seeds, do not plant them and to contact your state plant regulatory official. Thankfully, I have my state plant <laughs> regulatory official on speed dial, so I can get right to him. Uh, that's a good gig if you can get it. State yeah, I assume that's just your state Department of Agriculture or something like that. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, I would imagine. So, all right. Uh, any other news stories catching your eye, Toby? Uh, no, nothing uh, that I'm sure won't be covered in a future podcast. <laughs> Well, it looks like uh, Israel bombed Beirut today as well. So that's something. I did see there was a big explosion that nobody seems to say what the explosion is. So I'm sure there's. Yeah. At at first they were saying it was like some sort of, uh, you know, just industrial accident or something like that. But uh, it's looking like Israel bombed it. So keep an eye on that story. Um, But, you know, I know uh, Netanyahu would sure like some distractions right now. (laughs) Yes, he's up for corruption as our most world leaders <laughs> so yeah um, and there right, are well, intense oh, protests ahead. or something at the moment i guess over there yeah well i guess yesterday israel said uh hezbollah uh, had some bombs uh, they caught him with bombs and uh 
So they're like, oh, we've got to do something. And then there's a tweet put out, like they're going to blow up a uh, one of their, uh, oh, I forget the exact wording of it. But it, it seemed like they were, they say they were going to do something. And then a couple hours later, that thing blows up. And I guess Israel's claiming it was a um, nuclear weapons facility or something, um, a hidden sort of facility that they took out. So who knows? Who knows? But uh, there's quite a few impressive videos online of the explosion, though. It was pretty big. Pretty, pretty, pretty big. So, all right, Tuffy. Well, the main event tonight, we're going to talk COVID. So that's the that's the big thing, the COVIDs. Um, you, yeah. you don't have the COVIDs, do you, Tuffy? No. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, I don't really go anywhere, so I should be all right. Yeah, the COVID-19, the 1-9. It's a single-stranded RNA virus a member of the coronavirus family. It's the seventh strand of the family. Uh, so it's not really, they, they say novel and like, oh, it's a new, it, it's a new sh- branch of coronavirus, but it's not like completely mysterious. I mean, they're acting like, oh, but if you just, you know, treat it like the same members of the other family, yeah, you'll have a good, good lead on how to treat it. Uh, it's an airborne virus, very similar to the flu virus, more contagious, but similarly, uh, similar fatality as the flu. And keep in mind, between 290,000 and 650,000 people die of seasonal flu each year. But no one gives a fuck. Because they don't break into the news every five seconds telling you someone died of flu. But uh, with COVID, and that's why people say, oh, COVID's a hoax. COVID's real. All right. It's serious. And uh, it can kill you, particularly if you're elderly or if you have other uh, serious health conditions. You need to be careful. Um, respect it, take it seriously, but do not be hysterical about it, is what I'm trying to say. Um, the, the the media, that's my take on it, Tuffy. How, how do you feel about it? Pretty similar. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those things where everybody I interact with seems like their views range wildly, and it, you can't predict what a person is going to think about it without actually asking them, I feel like. But uh you know, I've lived a socially distant lifestyle yes. for some years now, so it hasn't really affected me much. <laughs> yes, this has not affected me at all. Not at all. But I, I, I can see how it's terrible for other people. So, uh, I mean, the lockdowns and all that stuff. But we'll get into it as we go along. But, yeah, it is real. But, you know, calm down. This isn't like the bubonic plague or Ebola. Imagine if Ebola was running wild. Now, that's what I'd be worried about. But this, nah, it's all right. Calm down. It's not that big deal. All right, so two, uh, it's, it's really two diseases. It, there's a stage one. Uh, this is the early disease, very much like the flu, fever, headache, upper respiratory, lo- loss of taste and smell. And it can be treated with numerous medications, including uh, hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, and we'll get into that more later because, wow, are people upset that uh, when you talk about hydroxychloroquine, holy hell, the world wants to end if you start talking about hydroxychloroquine. The media gets outraged, all the talking heads get angry. So uh, stage two of the COVID, uh, this creates a significant inflammation in the lungs and thrombosis events, meaning blood clots, and it can still be treated, but it's much, much more serious. So the key to the COVID is get it early. You know, don't stick around. If you think you're sick, get it checked out. Um, and how do you get it checked out? Well, there's two main types of testing. The first is a RT PCR test. 
That stands for reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction. I'm sure you know all about that, Tuffy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I don't know any of this. But I read about it, and I can report back what I find. Uh, we should have had Michigan Frank on. He'd be able to talk about this, I'm sure. Yeah. Him and his two master's degrees in chemistry and pizza making. Uh, so I hope to get Michigan Frank on as a guest. He probably has some ties into the human trafficking, too, if you think about it. Yeah, he'll be a good Pizzagate guest, too, I feel like. <laughs> um, the RT-PCR test. For the test, pizza making. <laughs> it's a uh, nasal swab test. That's when they jam it up your, your nose there. Um, uh, oh, I should also say the, the polymerase, it's an enzyme responsible for DNA replication. Uh, so that's where that comes from. But the, this is a nasal swab test. It attempts to identify a specific virus, but it can detect live and dead viruses, confusing results. Now, Tuffy, have you had a uh, COVID test? No, I have not. Yeah, that's good. If you're asymptomatic, do not get a test. Um, Carrie B. Mullis invented the PCR uh, and won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry in 1993. PCR is a manufacturing technique. It was never meant to be a diagnostic test. Meant to replicate DNA sequences millions or billions of times uh, so scientists can then study it better. Uh, Mullins died in August 2009 at 74. So he died before all this uh, COVID stuff. And he is on record as calling Dr. Anthony Fauci a, quote, asshole. So <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, PCR testing starts with one molecule of DNA, which is converted from the viral D uh, RNA, and it doubles at each cycle. The more cycles, the more material to study. And uh, fluorescent molecules attached to the RNA, and it shines, uh, and then a light is uh, shined on it. And if it if the fluorescence, you know, gives off a signal, then they measure it and they tell of how many viruses are there. It's very complicated. And again, I don't understand any of it. Uh, PCR is not a binary test. So it's not a clear cut positive or negative. The, the results are on a continuum and an arbitrary cutoff point is selected to determine a positive result. Each country, state, lab, whatever uses different cycles. Most testing seems to use around 30 cycles, but fewer cycles will give negative results. Higher cycles will give positive results. There is no standard. So more testing, more cases. If you want to reduce cases, just lower the PCR testing cycles. You'll get negative results. You want to increase cases, increase the cycles. You'll get positive results. A Chinese study showed that testing asymptomatic cases produced 80% false positives. This study was quickly buried. It, was, uh, it came out March 5th from the Department of uh, Epidemiology and Biostatistics School of Public Health, Jean Jean Tong University Health Science Center. July 20th, the Connecticut State Lab found 90 of 144 tests examined showed false positives. That's 62.5%. But according to a July 17th study published in the International Journal of Geriatrics and Rehabilitation, 50% of nucleic acid coronavirus tests distributed by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention provided inaccurate results. May 18th, study by the American College of Cardiology said, quote, the false negative rate for SARS-CoV-2 RT PCR testing is highly variable. Highest within the first five days after exposure, up to 67%, and lowest on day eight after exposure to 28%. Uh, so then their conclusion, quote, based on this analysis, the false negative rate for SARS-CoV-2 uh, RT-PCR is shockingly high. Even at its lowest on day eight post-exposure, or three days after symptoms, at its best, one out of five people suspected of COVID-19 will test negative. 
other studies have shown similar false positive rates anywhere from 30 to 80 percent. So again, if you're asymptomatic, do not get tested. It's really just a big waste of time. And there, some people, like some places that uh, people work, they're making them get tested, and the results aren't even ready for like four days. Yet, so then they go back to work. Like, it makes no sense. Like, what if you are positive now that everyone else has to get tested? It seems like it's just a big testing cycle uh, to just keep the test going and uh, keep the uh, insanity alive. I don't know. So, Tuffy, do not get tested if you're asymptomatic. Yeah, just say no, thank you. Not planning on it. Yeah, because and those PCR tests are the most accurate tests they have, and they're not even that accurate. So just, you know, unless you're sick, don't get tested. Yeah, I mean, I only uh, saw a doctor for the first time in like 20 years just last year. That's for the best. Um, I, I, I supposedly have to go see a doctor. I skipped my checkup last year, and I'm supposed to go back like maybe September, but uh, I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go. Well, when I went to go to the doctor last fall, they rescheduled me for a checkup this year. And then last week they called and said, oh, the doctor's not going to be out. The doctor's going to be out that day so we can reschedule. And I said, no, nah, just cancel it. I'll call you back later. Don't worry about yes, it. Yes, that's the move. Yep. Because here's the thing. They're going, oh, we like to get you a physical. And they go, okay, all right. You want me to come in like next week? No, how about six months from now? Wait, what? Hey, oh, sure. I'll make an appointment in six months. I'm very busy, Tuffy. My schedule is always changing. How am I well, supposed last- to plan ahead? You know? Even last year, I went to the doctor, and they said, oh, and we'll send you for some blood work. Have you eaten this morning? I said, yeah, I had breakfast. Oh, well, then you can go back tomorrow after you fasted for whatever, 12 hours, and I yeah. never went and got blood work. So, <laughs> Yeah, once they get you in there, and then they, oh, it looks like a little something here. We better run another test, and then it's, uh, you're, you're locked in. Then you're locked in. Um, but if you want to read more about PCR testing, uh, here's a couple articles for you. Was the COVID-19 test meant to detect a virus? written by Celia Farber, and COVID-19 PCR tests are scientifically meaningless, written by Torsten Engelbrecht and Constantine Demeter. Torsten Engelbrecht. It's a pretty good name. The other main type of testing is antibody testing. This uses a blood sample, and from the CDC's own website, what it means if you test positive on an antibody test, quote, a positive test result shows you may have antibodies from an infection with a virus that causes COVID-19. However, there's a chance a positive result means that you have antibodies from an infection with a virus from the same family of viruses called coronaviruses, such as the one that causes the common cold, end quote. Yet in many states, these positive tests still count among positive COVID totals. So you could, you know, if you get an antibody test and you're positive, probably had a common cold but they still count it so that's why all the statistics are just you know they're just numbers on a screen like even if they were 100 percent accurate they're still just numbers on a screen there's no way to verify what they mean but we know the numbers aren't accurate and they just keep spitting them out on the mainstream media to scare the hell out of people um, so the the statistics uh let's get into those a bit more this all started tough you remember the the early days of covid19 it all started with a uh, study from the Imperial College in London. It's a public university in London. Do you remember that study, Tuffy? It was the one that said uh, it predicted 2.2 million deaths in the U.S. and 500,000 dead in the U.K. And these projections were used to initiate all the worldwide lockdowns. Do you remember this chatter? 
I don't remember that specifically, but I remember the early days of, you know, high mortality rates, high infection rates, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and all the models were terribly wrong and hugely exaggerated. And the guy behind them all is a professor, Neil Ferguson. He created the virtual model, which was then endorsed by the World Health Organization. And according to uh, Ferguson's uh, own website here, uh, Ferguson is acting director of the Vaccine Impact Modeling Consortium which is based at Imperial College in London. According to Ferguson's biography on his website, much of his work is applied uh, in forming disease control policy making by public and global health institutions. He was basically like Britain's Dr. Fauci. He was the guy advising the British government about what to do about COVID. Uh, Ferguson has a long history of creating models that vastly inflate potential pandemics, including the 2001 foot and mouth disease uh, issue in Britain, which ravaged their uh, farming industry because of the hysteria, not because of it actual being a disease. Uh, 2002, mad cow disease, 2005, bird flu, 2009, swine flu. Uh, for the swine flu, he advised 65,000 deaths in the UK. The reality, 457. So missed it by uh, that much. That much. Uh, why does the UK government keep using this guy if he's wrong all the time? Well, that place he works for, the VIMC, is funded by, drumroll please, Bill and Melinda Gates. Shocking. Uh, the Gates Foundation began funding his group in 2006, and through 2018, they had given the group $185 million. In 2010, Gates launched the Global Health Leaders uh, Decade of Vaccines collaboration in co collaboration with uh, the World Health Organization, UNICEF, and the U.S.'s National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NAIAD. The steering committee included Director of Immunization, and the UK Department of Health. So basically Gates is paying for all this stuff. All right, keep that in mind. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but Gates is the driving force behind all this. Uh, he created, Gates also created the Global Vaccine Action Plan, uh, nicknamed Gavi, which is uh, funded by Gates, the World Bank, and various governments, including the UK government, which is its largest backer, committing 1.44 billion pounds between 2016 and 2020. So again, the Global Vaccine Action Plan, a lot of money invested by a lot of wealthy people into making vaccines. Uh, Gavi boasts vaccinating more than half the world's children. The vaccine industry revenue was projected to be $59 billion for 2020, and that was before COVID. So they make a lot of money off vaccines. Gavi is also connected to the Rockefeller Foundation's ID220 project to provide universal biometric identification. This would be the chip implanted under your skin. And those in conspiracy circles know that this has always been talked about as the end game. That they want to get everybody chipped. Do away with uh, all digital currencies and get everybody chipped. Uh, Ferguson resigned as advisor to the UK government when it was found that he violated the lockdown to meet with his married mistress. So another man of impeccable integrity. This, Ferguson. this is that guy? Yeah, the, the guy who uh, okay. created the Imperial College model. He got in trouble for violating the lockdown to see his mistress. Um, a good article about all this is uh, Who Controls the British Government Response to COVID-19, written by Vanessa Bealey, B-E-E-L-E-Y. So yeah, just because of this one guy who's supported by Gates, funded by Gates, tied into all these vaccine manufacturers and everything, he comes up with this faulty model from the Imperial College, and that model is used as the basis for the worldwide lockdowns. It's, it's crazy. 
it it's almost like it was planned almost i don't know uh currently currently uh, in the world there are six million cases of covid19 and 99 uh, are considered mild now mild means no hospitalizations no you know that kind of stuff uh, U.S. A peak of 16,970 deaths uh, happened in the U.S. on April 18th, and that has been dropping since to uh, 2,373 for the week ending July 18th, and just 257 for the week of July 25th. And again, these are just the the accepted stats as well. You know, who knows if those are accurate? But even by the accepted stats by the CDC, it's still dropping. Um, things are getting much much better. Media has been changing the narrative, shifting from deaths and hospitalizations to, quote, cases and, quote, positive tests. Uh, because there's been increased testing, it means more cases and more false positives. Um, but that's why when Trump was saying stop testing, it's because the tests are inaccurate. Uh, they're just always going to be drumming up cases. And then the media is going to say, oh, all these new cases, COVID's out of control. It's out of control. But that's not really what's happening. Uh, July 14th, the Center for Disease Control Director Robert Redfield testified in a Buck Institute webinar, Buck Institute's a health group, uh, that suicides and drug overdoses have now surpassed the death rate of COVID-19. Because lockdowns are having serious emotional and mental effects on this nation, and people are getting depressed, uh, you know, they're, they're getting loopy, and so suicides and drug overdoses are, have now passed COVID-19 deaths. The other big thing when you're talking about statistics of uh, COVID mortality and spread, Sweden. That's always a hot, hot button topic, Sweden. Because what do you know about Sweden, Tuffy? How did they handle this? They took the herd immunity approach of, you know, I think they might have encouraged masks, but didn't shut anything down. People kept going about their business and whoever got sick got sick. And if you die, you die. Yeah, they recommended social distancing. No masks, no lockdowns. Kids remained in school. Uh, despite the mainstream media calling it a failed experiment over and over and over, uh, Sweden's death rates and hospitalizations have drastically declined the last few weeks. The numbers spiked early because they failed to protect their elderly in old age homes. That was a huge mistake, and it cost a lot of people their lives. And uh, the deaths peaked around April 17th at over 100 per day. But it has now dwindled to zero uh, on July 25th, and it's much, much better. No one wants to talk about Sweden. But, uh, yeah, Sweden seems to have done it right. Uh, deaths per 1 million population, uh, the U.K. had 680, Spain had 609, Italy 582, Sweden 568, U.S. 480. And Sweden, again, did not lock down. So they're right in there with all these other countries that did lock down. And they did not lock down. And the only reason Sweden's uh, number is so high is because of all the uh, elderly people that died early on because they didn't do enough to protect them. Now, everyone likes to compare Sweden to Finland and Norway, other uh, in Nordic countries there. They have much uh, smaller rates of deaths per one million popula population. Finland has 59 deaths and Norway has 47 <clears throat> per million population. But it's, it's like apples and oranges. Uh, Finland has 5.5 million people, uh, 18 people per square kilometer. Uh, Norway, 5.4 million people, 15 people per square kilometer. Sweden has 10.1 million people. 25 people per square kilometer so uh, double the population almost double the population density two different situations and they did not protect their elderly and that's the big problem uh sweden currently has 66,934 cases and 100 percent are considered mild 
there are 34 serious cases. So if you, you know, round up, it's 100%. Of their 5,744 deaths, 5,000 were over the age of 70. 4,000 over the age of 80. So, you know, keep that in mind. You know, the average lifespan is, what, 73, 74, 75? So 4,000 of the deaths were people who are well over the average lifespan. Again, it's unfortunate. It's terrible. It's a tragedy that they didn't protect their elderly. Because that is a horrible way to die. You make it through life. You're that old. Then you get the COVID. You're stuck in a nursing home somewhere. Yeah, you, they won't even let your family or friends see you. Uh, you, you know, you're just dying alone and scared and alone. So it's horrible. But uh, have some perspective on those Sweden numbers. You know, every once away, right away, they ask them about Sweden. Oh, they have six times the death of their Nordic country. They, oh, they're horrible. They're a failed experiment. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Whatever they're doing seems to be working. But they uh, don't want anyone talking about it. And by the way, the same thing happened in the U.S. with not protecting the elderly. Several states, including New York, allowed COVID patients in their nursing homes. Uh, it's almost like they wanted the numbers to be as high as possible. Yeah, let's put those COVID patients into the nursing homes. That sounds like a good idea. So, I don't know. Any uh, thoughts on Sweden, Tuffy? Uh, no, not really. I'm not that well informed on the whole issue, but... Uh... Do you like I- your word for it? Do you like IKEA? No, I mean, I don't really have thoughts on Ikea even. I guess, oh. you know, they make meatballs, so that's nice. Yeah, that is weird. They have meatballs at a grocery store. But you bring up a good point there, Tuffy, and I meant to say this earlier. Uh, you said you'll take my word for it. I don't want anyone to believe what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, don't trust me any <laughs> yeah. more than you trust the media. Uh, just because, I'm, like, I'm not going to lie to you intentionally or manipulate you in any way. I'm doing my best here. Uh, but just because I say it, don't believe it's true either. Uh, if you hear something that interests you, Research it yourself. Go do the work yourself. Don't trust me. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to do my best to give you the truth. Because that's really all, all that matters is the truth. And, uh, yeah, I will do my best. Because someone asked me, well, who do, you know who, how, who do you know to trust? Mike Dell, if you don't trust the mainstream media, why would they lie to us? Why would our governments lie to us? Why would scientists lie? <laughs> you got to trust somebody. Um, well, sure, trust but verify, you know. Just if they tell you something. But here's a sport. Here's a shortcut I like to do. If the mainstream media is telling you something, rest assured the exact opposite is probably true. They are lying sons of bitches. So, but if you hear them say something, trust but verify. Go look into it yourself. You'll usually find that someone's lying. And then just go back and forth. And then whatever you find, say, oh, well, what's the counter to that? So then you look at that, that counter, and does that make sense? And, well, what's the counter to that? And just go back and forth until the truth eventually comes out. And it usually, uh, if you follow the money, it helps. Who, who has a reason for telling you these things? What's their motive? What are they trying to get across? Whenever you read a news report, ask yourself, why are they telling me this? Is it to scare me? Is it to inform me? Is it to empower me? Uh, chances are it's to scare you. Yeah, that's usually to scare you. So uh, getting back to the inflated numbers, on April 14th, the CDC quietly updated its website and changed how counted COVID cases. The original standard was, Quote, data includes both confirmed and presumptive positive cases of COVID-19 reported to the CDC, end quote. This was changed to, quote, data includes uh, confirmed, presumptive cases and probable cases of COVID-19, end quote. So, again, they're including probable cases. They're just lumping them all in together, lumping them all in. And it was changed to jack up the numbers. Uh, and people who died with coronavirus were counted as dying of coronavirus. 
So if people died and they tested them after death and found out they had coronavirus in their system, guess what? They're counted as a COVID death. And, and why would hospitals do that? Well, because there's financial incentive. They get kickbacks on a, every COVID patient they treat, uh, every time they use a ventilator. Um, so th- there's a financial incentive for hospitals to claim COVID patients. All right, Tuffy, let's talk about masks. Okay. I know you, I know you love masks. Did, now, you were up in Michigan this past week, Tuffy. Did you wear a mask? Um, I mean, I'm pretty indifferent on masks. I don't have a problem wearing a mask. I don't understand people's big complaints about masks. Um, This is one of the issues that annoys me the most because people act as though it's some big hassle to wear a mask. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but. So did you wear a mask? (laughs) (laughs) Tuffy's choking. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be a no. (laughs) <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> and now you got the code. The, the general. Out. Sorry, I'm eating some junior mints here. I got one stuck in my throat. <laughs> They're very refreshing. Yeah. yeah um, no, I mean, my practice, I'll reset so you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> then I wear a mask. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if I go out, like, my office is a big office space with very few people, so I don't wear a mask at work. I don't wear a mask in my apartment because I'm by myself <laughs> all the time. Um, you know, I'm in, when I'm in Michigan, I'm in a trailer park. It's a more, uh, you know, closely populated area, but I don't wear a mask just sort of in the park. In the trailer, I'm with my family. Nobody's wearing a mask. If one of us gets COVID, we're all getting COVID. In the park, you're outside. You can stay, you know, six feet away from everybody. If I go to a store, I wear a mask. If I go out to the grocery store, to the gas station, I'll wear a mask there. But in, like, just residential life, no, I don't wear a mask. Yeah, I, I wear the mask just because, you know, it's, it's no big thing. Um, I, I think just as a general rule in life, if you have the option to wear a mask, wear a mask. You know, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. It makes me, makes me feel like I'm going to rob a train. So I, I don't <laughs> mind. I like wearing a mask. And yeah, it, when this I, all, when this all started, all I had was like a balaclava that I wear to run when it's cold. So it did feel like <laughs> I was going to rob everywhere I went to. And then eventually I got like, you know, the N95 medical mask. And it's, you know, so I just wear that now because it's easier. Uh, I, I took care of my dad at in-home hospice care. So they sent supplies over. So we, we still have a bunch of like masks from that. <laughs> but um, so I just wear one of those. But uh, yeah, it's it's okay. I don't mind it. But I can understand why other people are, are upset by it because um, you know it definitely seems like social conditioning that <laughs> they just want everybody to be faceless, nameless uh, people who don't interact. Because when you're when you're wearing the mask, it seems like you're. I don't know. There's a tendency to. It's tough for me to tell because I never interact with anybody anyway. But it would seem like there's a tendency to not interact with each other when everyone's wearing masks. And, and it's tough not to notice at the grocery store when robotic voices come over the PA system telling you to maintain social distancing. <laughs> Remember to maintain social distancing. It's a little yeah, weird. Yeah, but this is, uh, this is what I've been shooting for my whole life. <laughs> I hear you. So. Yeah. So uh, on the mask front, on January 30th, the CDC said not to wear masks. On February 29th, the Surgeon General tweeted that people should not be wearing masks. On April 3rd, the CDC reversed course and recommended masks. And uh, here's the thing, though. In May, the CDC published a study entitled Non-Pharmaceutical Measures for Pandemic Influenza in Non-Healthcare Settings, 
personal protective environmental measures. And this study was presented on the CDC website, and it's still there if you look for it. And the quote is, in our systematic review, we identified 10 randomized controlled trials that reported estimates of the effectiveness of face masks in reducing laboratory-confirmed influenza virus. Infections in the community from literature published during 1946 to July 17, 2018. In pooled analysis, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. End quote. <laughs> Some articles to read on this. The science is conclusive. Masks and receptors do not prevent transmission of viruses. And study of all-cause mortality during COVID-19, no plague, but likely mass homicide by government response. And both of those written by Dr. Dennis G. Rancourt, R-A-N-C-O-U-R-T. There is not a single randomized controlled trial with verified outcome that has been able to detect a statistically significant advantage of wearing a mask versus not wearing a mask when it comes to preventing infectious viral illness. And people say, well, why do surgeons wear masks? If they, well, surgeons wear masks to prevent bacterial infections from droplets falling into open wounds. That's much different than viral contamination. Masks do not prevent viral transmission because they allow airflow. The aerosol particles are what spread viruses, not large droplets, which uh, tend to fall to the ground. Like when you sneeze and stuff, uh, it's, it's the aerosol particles that are the trouble, not the big gobs of goop. Uh, masks also provide a surface for contamination around the nose, mouth, and eyes. So every time you touch your mask to adjust it or whatever, you're just putting contamination right there to your uh, nose, mouth, and eyes. And, and that's the thing. Recently, Tuffy, within the past couple of weeks, Fauci was saying, hey, people should be wearing eye, eye shields as well. Got to wear the eye shields. Because really, you know, wear the mask all you want. If someone sneezes in your face, your eyes are going to, they're right there. You know, so. Um, yeah. But the big thing is, because I, I, I see videos now, people like getting outraged about seeing other people not wear masks. And they start yelling at them. And uh, I saw a video of a lady throwing a cup of coffee in someone's face <laughs> for not wearing a mask. Um, it, it's just craziness. Like, I thought the whole point of wearing a mask, uh, people would say, this is for you, not for me. I'm protecting you. So yeah. then why should it matter to you if someone else is wearing a mask or not? If you're really all this altruistic, virtuous person, what the fuck does it matter if someone else is being selfish? You're doing the right thing, right? In your mind, you're doing the right thing. So why should you worry about whatever anyone else is doing? But that's not what it is. It's, I don't know, it's some weird groupthink mentality. And they got to make sure everybody's uh, doing what they're doing. And aren't you? And if you're not wearing a mask, oh, you hate science. That's what I saw one guy yelling at another dude without a mask. You hate science. You, 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 you hate science. You disagree with science. No, the science is clear. Masks don't work. They just don't work. But if it makes people feel better, all right. You know, what can you do? Um, I don't know. Just weird. I think it's yeah. just another, another thing they came up with to divide people. You know? Just say, oh, here's how we can cause more confusion. Have some people wear masks, some people don't. Nope. One more thing for them to fight about, for the peasants to fight about. You know, it's like, ugh, Lord. Well, I feel like on that front, part of the not wearing a mask became a political thing very quickly. Yeah. Where? Well, well know, I get it. People the, saying, you know, I don't, you're just compliant to whatever the government says. Oh, you're a little sheep. You just do whatever the government tells you. I, I get it. But I, from my perspective, Tuffy, I want them to think I'm compliant. But deep in my heart, in my soul, I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah. 
you trick them. <laughs> I mean, I wear a seatbelt too, so you know. <laughs> well, you should. You know, safety yeah. first. All right, so let's talk about some treatments for COVID. Um, big thing: uh, ventilators are killing people. That's a that's a big deal. Like a lot of doctors came out early on in COVID. Uh, they they just came out on their own on YouTube and stuff, saying, "Hey, we're treating this wrong. Ventilators are not the way to treat this disease." Uh, because they're damaging the lungs, causing blood clots, increasing inflammation and infection. And a lot was made, uh, a poor fellow named uh, Nick Cordero, I believe. And he was a, a Broadway star who died. And he was in his early 40s. And everyone's like, oh, see, this can affect anyone. Yeah, he had COVID, but technically he didn't really die of COVID. He died of how he was treated for COVID. Because they put him on a ventilator very early. And uh, it damaged his lungs. He, had, he developed holes in his lungs. And then he got infections in his lungs and blood clots in his legs. And those are the things that really killed him. Uh, was it COVID or was it how they treated him? And, and, you know, in fairness, it was early on. So maybe the doctors know better. But uh, it, it seems now do not put someone on a ventilator unless they absolutely have to be on one. They were doing it way too early for a lot of people. And it had disastrous consequences. Uh, and I, again, like I was saying before, hospitals and doctors get paid more for Medicare patients diagnosed with COVID-19. Or if it's considered presumed they have COVID-19, absent a, absent a laboratory-confirmed test, and three times more if the patients are placed on a ventilator to cover the cost of care and loss of business, revolting from a shift in focus to treat COVID-19 cases. Uh, and I think the number was like 39 grand. If you put someone on a, a ventilator, you can uh, bill extra to the government. So there is definitely a financial incentive for how they are dealing with COVID. Um, all right, so let's talk uh, hydroxychloroquine. That's the big thing. That's the big treatment that should be being used all the time. It's an anti-malaria drug used to treat lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. It's extremely safe. It's been used for 65 years. It's off patent. There are 12 manufacturers in the U.S. <clears throat> so that means it's really cheap. Uh, a virology journal article from August 2005 said chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. So back in 2005, they knew uh, chloroquine uh, helped. Hydroxychloroquine is just a, it's a version of it. It's easier uh, to handle, fewer symptoms and side effects. Um, so they're basically the same thing. But uh, hydroxychloroquine is the uh, one you want to be using. And it works on COVID through five different mechanisms. The first is that it makes the cell less acidic. And it's also a zinc ionophore, which means it pulls zinc into cells. And zinc inhibits the enzyme needed for viruses to reproduce. Z zinc has always been seen as a treatment for common colds and flus and stuff. Uh, but, man, people are just losing their minds that uh, hydroxychloroquine. Um, there was a topic, I don't know if you heard last week, did you hear about the, the America's Frontline Doctors, the big controversy about all them? No, but you just made me think of the Simpsons quote, is there anything zinc can't do? Oh, I did not know that was a Simpsons quote. Yeah, yeah zinc, zinc yeah. is very good. Um, but uh, America's Frontline Doctors, it's a group of uh, exactly that, <laughs> America's Frontline Doctors, who are on the front lines treating COVID patients. They held a summit. Uh, it was online. <coughs> it was streaming. I think they did three sessions. I watched the first two sessions. Each session was like three hours long. It was really good. And I intended to go back and watch the third session. But guess what? YouTube scrubbed it and everyone banned it right away because people started tweeting it out. And if you tweeted it out, you got suspended and they're, they're doing everything they could do to silence these doctors. And again, these are doctors who are treating patients, um, not researchers, not, uh, you know, corporate pharmaceutical reps. 
<laughs> these are actual doctors and they're just telling you about covid what they're seeing in their practices how they're treating their patients what's working what's not and people went ape shit they started assassinating the characters of these doctors uh these doctors lost their jobs um it's craziness and it's all because they recommended hydroxychloroquine so why are people getting so outraged over hydroxychloroquine uh it's it's nuts but th- this huge negative backlash against the drug it started when uh uh, the World Health Organization and numerous countries stopped clinical trials based on an article in the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine written by a fellow named Sapan Desai, uh, D-E-S-A-I. And he was just a co-author. There are other authors involved. But he's also the founder of Surgisphere, a U.S.-based health analytics company. Now, there's no evidence that Surgisphere has any background in health or medical anything. Uh, and if you, you look at their employees, it includes a sci-fi writer and an adult model. Um, no research backgrounds at all among any of them. But they did this article that was published in, again, the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine. And it was filled with bullshit. Yet mainstream media ran with it, citing it as a scientific source that hydroxychloroquine killed patients. It did more harm than good. Yet the article got retracted 11 days later for being completely fraudulent. But it was too late. The damage was done. Media already ran with the story. Everyone heard the hydroxychloroquine was killing people. And it was super dangerous. Uh, Dr. Richard Horton, the editor-in-chief of the Lancet, he now admits that the retracted study was, quote, a fabrication and, quote, a monumental fraud. <laughs> so, again, why are they doing this? Why are they attacking hydroxychloroquine, a, a safe drug that's been approved by the FDA for 65 years, used all over the world, but they don't want people using it for COVID-19? Why? Because there's no need for a vaccine. If people are using hydroxychloroquine, they don't need a vaccine. Uh, it, it, the treatment, the entire treatment of hydroxychloroquine for the course, it, it's like 15 bucks. It, it's that cheap. Now, but doctors are being punished for prescribing it. Hospitals refuse to, sp- to prescribe it. Media continues to censor studies based on it, showing that it's effective. But negative, all the negative studies that show hydroxychloroquine doesn't work or are harmful, they're all underpowered or they use toxic doses to get toxic results. And they, or they don't include zinc with the research. Zinc is very important. You need zinc in combination with hydroxychloroquine. It pulls the zinc into the cells, which helps kills the virus. Incredibly toughy. The same day that uh, hydroxychloroquine hit piece came out in the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, the same journal also published, published an article praising the effectiveness of a remdesivir. And that is the new um, proposed drug to treat COVID-19. And this drug is made by Gilead Sciences, Inc., one of the largest pharmaceutical manufacturers in the world. And this treatment, if you take remdesivir uh, to treat COVID-19, that will cost you $2,340. So 15 for hydroxychloroquine or $2,300 for remdesivir. Gee, I wonder which one the pharmaceutical industry wants. And uh, the, the study's research and findings are almost as shady as the anti-hydroxychloroquine uh, study. Most anti-HCQ studies and critics have direct financial ties to Gilead. If you see a negative uh, hydroxychloroquine article, just look at the co-authors, do some research. It all leads back to Gilead. Uh, Remdesivir, they were conducting a study in France that was just halted due to severe side effects, including kidney failure and death. But other than that, it's effective. If you look out for that kidney failure and death. Um, Now, of course, hydroxychloroquine became popular when Trump recommended it. He, He said it was an effective drug and people lost their minds. They said, oh, Trump, you shouldn't be talking about this. Uh, why? Because when he said that, 
the Gilead stock was $85 a share. After he said that, it plummeted, and the stock lost about $20 billion in value, and it didn't recover until Dr. Fauci came out and said, and he endorsed Remdesivir, the Gilead product. And then the stock went up because uh, Gauci is just a shill with the World Health Organization and the CDC. He, he just wants to push vaccines and pharmaceutical uh, companies. Uh, in 2019, Gilead spent $5.7 million lobbying politicians. And when you hear lobbying politicians, just, you know, it's bribing. That's all it is, bribing politicians. And he, here's the countries, some of the countries that use H, uh, hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic against malaria have ridiculously low COVID numbers. Remember, we were talking uh, <coughs> deaths per 1 million population. U.S. is yeah. like 480, Sweden's 560. India. India is at 28. Now, why isn't COVID just ripping through India? Like, even under the best of circumstances, India has the plague. Like, they're, they're you know, they're so, the population is so dense. The sanitation, the hygiene, it's terrible in India. Uh, you think they would be getting ravaged by COVID? Nope. Why not? Because hmm. they all take <laughs> hydroxychloroquine as a uh, preventative against malaria and other diseases. Uh, India. Like I said, 28. Ethiopia, three deaths per... Rwanda, 0.4 deaths. Somalia, six. Uganda, 0.4. And it's all because they take hydroxychloroquine as just a regular part of their uh, you know, medical practice. Uh, and it's crazy. Yet people are still killing uh, hydroxychloroquine. So here's the recommended uh, treatment, Tuffy. It's hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, which is an antibiotic, and zinc. You use the three of them in conjunction... And, and I believe it's, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. Don't listen to what I'm saying, <laughs> but look at it, look into it. But I believe the recommended dose is like, uh, like 400 milligrams of hydroxychloroquine uh, twice a day for the first day. And for the next four days, it's 200 milligrams. And again, you take it with the antibiotic and the zinc. The zinc is very important. Um, why is zinc so important? Well, it's, a, it's an essential trace element needed for the proper growth and management of the human body. It must be consumed by a diet uh, rich in red meat, chicken, and fish. So as you can guess, Tuffy, I am loaded with zinc. <laughs> I am loaded with zinc. But I, I routinely take zinc supplement. I've always taken it because, uh, you know, zinc's good for you. Uh, uh, and one of the symptoms of zinc deficiency, Tuffy, get a load of this, loss of smell and taste. And what are the big symptoms of COVID? Loss of smell and taste. I wonder if there's a connection there. Hmm, possibly. Um, other good vitamins for uh, COVID, uh, lots of vitamin C, vitamin D, very important. And uh, you can also take something called quercetin. So if you can't get your uh, hands on uh, hydroxychloroquine, buy some quercetin. It's a plant flavanol, which is a biochemical compound, and it changes the cell pH. It reduces the acidity of cells, and it fights viruses. It pulls zinc into cells. So it kind of works just like hydroxychloroquine, but not as effective. But uh, it's just you can buy it at any supplement store. It's cheap. Um, so get some quercetin. One of the leading doctors in, for all the, the uh, hydroxychloroquine treatments is a guy named Dr. Zev Zelenko. And he recommends 500 milligrams of quercetin and 25 milligrams of zinc once a day as like a preventative to keep you from getting the codes. So quercetin, very important. Um, something else called uh, cinchona bark can also be effective and uh, apparently you're supposed to make four cups of water a fourth cup of pestle conchona bark boil it for one half hour strain it and then drink one ounce a day 
What year is that? Is this prescription? <laughs> wait, wait. This from yeah, this fifty. Yeah, this like Napoleon's army was using this, <laughs> it's like, yeah. but it's supposed it's to be very good. Bark. It's supposed to be very good for viruses, um, and it's supposed to taste terrible. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Yeah. But you know, if you're into this stuff, if you're eyes in there too, or what? Uh, wait, what was that part? If throw some Newt's eyes in with that, <laughs> what? Bats wings and no, 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 just the cinchona bark, C I N C H O N A, and I guess you can buy it at health food stores and stuff. But it's it's long been used to uh, treat uh, you know illnesses and viruses. Um, so drink like uh, that one ounce a day. I haven't done that, Tuffy, but maybe you know if I start feeling sick, I'll look into the cinchona bark. <laughs> but I'm pretty good with the C D and zinc and all that stuff. Um, so I'm trying to think uh, what else we need here. Uh, so the U.S. also has what's called emergency youth authorizations. And under Section 564 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, the FDA commissioner may allow unapproved medical products or unapproved uses of, medical, uh, of approved medical products to be used in an emergency to diagnose, treat, or prevent serious or life-threatening diseases or conditions caused by uh, threat agents when there are no adequate, approved, and available. And this is key because they're going to use this. <clears throat> they already use the emergency use authorization to approve a lot of these COVID tests. And there's like 300 or more COVID tests on the market all over the world. And, but in the U.S., this emergency use authorization is used to get those tests out. And it's also going to be used to force out any vaccine that comes along. Because guess what? They're not going to have time to do health tests on a vaccine. Any vaccine that they get ready, they're just shoving it out there. And they can do it because of this emergency youth authorization. But the key point is, if there are no adequate, approved, and available, hydroxychloroquine is adequate, it is approved, and it is available. But they don't want you to know it. Because if they do, they can't rush their vaccines to market. So that's why hydroxychloroquine is getting attacked everywhere it can. They just know that they're lying to you. Um, well, it's approved, but it, it's not approved for this specific use, I would assume. Yes, it's approved for malaria and lupus, rheumatoid arthritis. Well, remdesivir wasn't approved for COVID-19 either. It was originally approved for hepatitis. And they're trying to turn it into a COVID treatment. So it's the same thing. Um, But uh, a good article to read for this. The key to defeating COVID-19 already exists. We need to start using it. And it was written by Harvey A. Rich, uh, R-I-S-H-C-H, professor of epidemiology, Yale School of Public Health. So, yeah, it's, it's no secret that hydroxychloroquine is effective in treating this, but they do not want it to happen. So what's the end game here, Tuffy? Well, what, what are we getting at? Um, yeah, that's well, my question. Of, well, one of my buddies, one of my favorite writers is a fellow named Albert Camus. Um, he was an existential guy. He wrote a lot of uh, fancy stuff. He wrote The Plague, which is a great book. About, yeah, everyone should read The Plague. He wrote The Stranger. Plague. But he has a quote here. Uh, the welfare of humanity is always the alibi of tyrants. That's basically it. They're, they're always saying, no, this is for your safety. We're doing this for your safety. Tell me one time in your life, the government gave a fuck about your health. They let you smoke. They let you drink. Uh, they let you do whatever else. They don't give a fuck about your health. Look, look at the food they make you eat. They don't care. So well, ask yourself, why are they so cared? Why do they care so much now about my health? Um, well, it's because they got other things in the mind. Uh, right now in the U.S., all these lockdowns, you could definitely say uh, they were put in place to kill the economy and to further civil unrest. 
I think you might be on the money if you suggested that. And uh, they want to kill the small businesses and middle class, increase demand for government assistance, uh, increase demand for it. Because the more social problems, the more people need their government. So the more chaos you can create, the more government is needed. And it, it seems that's what they're doing. And we do have an election coming up. You know, I don't know if you noticed, Tuffy. Yeah. There is, an, there is an election coming up. And I would say that they're doing this to monkey with the election, uh, specifically to cancel political rallies, debates, and interviews, because <laughs> Pedo Joe Biden is losing his fucking mind. And they want to keep him as far away from the media and as far away from uh, disastrous public appearances as possible. It's almost like they're running Bernie from Weekend Up Bernie as his president. Like, you, when do you see Joe Biden? You, you never see this guy. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. But uh, my theory is, like, they'll wait for him to get nominated, and then he'll die. <laughs> and then they'll put someone else in, you know? They'll say, oh, we'll have someone else step in. But uh, so it's just a monkey. And, and no sitting president with a strong economy is going to lose. So the economy is now tanked. Unemployment's going crazy. So it helps them in that respect as well. And, of course, Pelosi also wants mail-in uh, voting which would be ripe for corruption as well. Um, so these are all political things, but they need to be considered here in the U.S. as, as at least uh, consequences, if not incentives, for doing the lockdowns and all the COVID hysteria. On the, from a global perspective, they want to get to a cashless society. Uh, digital currency is what they want to get to because they can cut you off easily. <laughs> if, if everyone's using a digital currency and you're a troublemaker, They'll just cut off your digital, uh, your supply to your funds. And the big thing is the forced vaccinations. They want to make sure everyone gets vaccinated and chipped. Now, will they put the chip in a vaccine or will they put it under your skin? Uh, but it's all about tracking and control. It's social engineering. How many times, Tuffy, have you heard the new normal? Good Lord. Uh, it's the new normal. It's the new normal. Get used to it. It's the new normal. Uh, don't even not, think we're going not back. Not that to often because I don't talk to anybody really. Yeah. So. But it's all over the TVs. Even commercials are like, oh, and this got in the new normal. We got a, a, enough with the new normal bullshit. And it's all about immunity passports. You want to make sure you're vaccinated. That you, so if you get the vaccine, you'll get an immunity passport. And Bill Gates, uh, God bless him, Bill Gates, he did an AMA on Reddit not too long ago. And he said, quote, eventually we will have some digital certificates to show who has recovered or been tested recently. Or when we have a vaccine, who has received it? End quote. That's what they're getting out of here. So if you're not vac, if you don't, if you're not vaccinated, they'll limit where you can go. You won't be able to travel. Uh, they'll limit your access to government funds, uh, your employment options. Uh, they're going to force you to take the vaccine. They're going to force you to get uh, tracked. And contact tracking is another thing. Like they're trying to do through phones now. I don't know. Your cell phone may have already downloaded it uh, without you knowing. And it's, it's running in the background. But basically, if you go somewhere, they could just tell you, hey, you came in contact with someone who has COVID. And, you know, we need to, you need to quarantine. You need to stay inside. Yeah, my you... phone's already uh, tracing everywhere I go. I get a monthly report from Google about where I've been. So, Oh, my Lord. But, yeah, they could easily just say, hey, Tuffy, you were in contact with COVID. You got to stay home for two weeks. And what do you do? And, like, well, I have the option, you know, of turning off the geolocation, but, like, half the apps on your phone you can't use maps without your geolocation you can't use half the stuff on your phone without keeping that location thing on so well here's a uh, little tip though um you might want to invest uh i've considered it but i don't go anywhere 
Uh, they call them like Faraday cages, but they're little cases where you can put your cell phone in and you zip it up in its little pocket. And it basically cuts off the uh, signals to the phone. So if you leave the house, you might want to slip your phone in one of them deals. <laughs> and you can, so you have your phone if you need it. But otherwise, you, you know, you won't get contact traced. Because it, it is a very slippery slope. Because how do you know? You just trust them. Oh, yeah, I, I was in touch with someone with COVID. And then if you refuse to quarantine, what are they going to do? Arrest you? Put you in a in a place, in a hospital somewhere or something? It's it's very strange. But that could be where we're heading. Um, so sure. getting back getting back to the vaccines, the, the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act provides immunity to vaccine companies if something goes wrong. And that's here in the U.S., but worldwide, they've already pharmaceutical companies have already gotten promises from like the UK and stuff that they'll be immune to any problems with the vaccines. Now, I understand that from a manufacturer's perspective, that's what they need. But from a person perspective, some someone who's getting jabbed with some strange chemicals, um, it's yeah. The weird. UK is a little surprising with what was it the flamitab flamitabide flamitab something. Yeah, I know. I know what you're trying to say. I and can't I, think of the word. Flamitamide, I think. Flamitamide. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know, man. It's just, do you really want to trust these pharmaceutical companies that they're not going to fuck you up? Uh, I mean, eesh, whatever. Anyway, uh, so Moderna is one of the leading manufacturers here in the U.S. Uh, looking for a vaccine. And they, they just did a trial, a first run on their vaccine. And the trial showed severe side effects in 50% of the participants. So, you know, flip a coin. Could be good. And think if they're, if they're vaccinating everybody. In, in the world or just in the u.s even if like you know side effects in 10 percent uh, that's a huge number of people like an enormous number of people so yeah um yeah vaccine don't get the vaccine <laughs> don't it may force them to strap you down and stab you with it <laughs> do not take the vaccine well i don't plan on seeing a doctor for at least another decade so i should be good <laughs> but what if they start coming around to your house and like like the doctors hey we're here to give you your vaccine and you're like, nah, I'm good. Thanks. And uh, like they really were ramping up the anti-vax stuff online in the last two or three years, like on so on forums and stuff like Reddit and everything, really hammering the anti-vax stuff. And you could see, well, maybe this is why, because they're, you know, prepping the pump for uh, coming down the COVID vaccine. Because God forbid, if you don't wear a mask, th- think of uh, what they do to you if you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> and if you refuse to get the vaccine, holy fuck gonna be crazy so uh there you go that's covid i don't any other covid thoughts tuffy i think i covered everything i wanted to talk about um yeah <laughs> i would say my views are slightly different but uh you know <laughs> what are your views tuffy you know wear a mask it seems like an okay thing to do i don't think it's that big Again, of a deal i know i wear a mask uh, yeah you know just do it anyway but yeah if you're thinking that science shows they work it doesn't nope so well, I mean, it uh, reduces like the the spread, the vector of your breath when you exhale. So if it's a airborne disease that there is, you know, some sort of common sense like view of, you know, if it's reducing how far my breath is going, it's reducing, you know, the transmission vectors that a person breathing might have. But yeah, like, like common sense would say it has to work somewhat. I mean, like if someone sneezes right in your face and the mask blocks all the yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not, like it it's helps, not 100% right? uh, re- reduction, but it, like, it helps, I think. In, in terms of whether or not it, it, it has any effect on viral transmission, though, is what, I don't know. Uh, again, many, many studies have shown it does not. 
but yeah, I would think it'd have to help a little bit, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I would say in like the uh, sort of vaccination front, I don't trust Bill Gates, but I don't know that he's as nefarious maybe as you seem to think. <laughs> well, look up his dad, uh, who his dad is, uh, yeah. history of eugenics, a uh, long history of trying to control minority populations through, uh, yeah. look, in, look into what his, uh, other vaccines have done to children in Africa and the spread and the spread of tuberculosis and, uh, the paralysis of African children. Um, they don't yeah. tell you about that stuff when I was talking about Bill Gates and his <laughs> beloved vaccines, but yeah, so there you go. Yeah. I mean, I don't trust anybody who has that much wealth, but, uh, you know, uh, let the, let the first couple rounds of vaccines go and see how things shake out. <laughs> yes. I, well, here's what I think they should, you know, test them out on politicians first, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, well, the politicians will get the good vaccines. <laughs> they'll, yeah. just get, really gotta, they'll just get water. You really got to watch the X-Files because now that I'm thinking this, there's a really nice, you know, COVID parallel here because the sort of C- series long plot is that the aliens came in the 50s at Roswell and they came and they were there was like a human hybrid alien breeding program that. Fox Muller's dad was part of this group of, you know, the government people, the smoking man, all those guys that gave up their children to be part of this alien hybrid breeding program. That's why his sister was abducted. I'm not, I might not be getting this 100% right, but that's sort of the overarching, uh, you know, plot of the series is this government conspiracy to work with the aliens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm so still... Then the, the, did the space monkeys have like a vaccine or something they were trying to give people or a disease or something? There's, I forget because the later seasons aren't nearly as good, so I didn't watch them quite as closely. But there's something at the end with the aliens and the black eyes, and I don't remember exactly, but it's been a while since I watched that show. So, and, and again, yeah. we mentioned this on the LCS show when we talked about COVID a while back when it first started, but like Bill Gates ran the simulation, like, uh, what was it called? Event 21 or. Uh, I can't remember, or 201, I think, something like yeah. that, where they simulated a coronavirus outbreak <laughs> that originated in Wuhan and came out. So, again, just super coincidental or scripted. I, I don't know. Um, and then the Rockefeller Foundation had Operation Lockstep, where they kind of envisioned a scenario like this. And, um, so, you know, you conspiracy theorists, a coincidence theorist, I don't know. There's a lot of weird shit around COVID. Um, so just, uh, again, respect That's- it take it seriously but don't panic about it you know yeah, it's also one of those things that has had a wild you know life from remembering back in january i guess would have been the first news about the stuff in china maybe december i think around christmas time was when this first off sun occurred cracking off in china right uh maybe a little later than that although there are okay. reports that that this uh existed even before that like that they had tests of people suffering some sort of hemorrhaging lung disease in october and yeah so I, who knows how long it's been with us. But. Yeah, I mean, my memory is Christmas, New Year, somewhere in that range is when I first started seeing news articles about Wuhan and China specifically. And then in January, I think would have been the Europe stuff, maybe late January, something like that. And then February, late February was kind of the U.S. stuff. Major metropolitan New York sort of started to go because it was like March 16 or 17, I think, was when Illinois locked down finally. Yeah. Um, and like someone I know, 
their brother started out with, you know, before the lockdown, before there was even a lot of cases in Illinois, he was, you know, not leaving his house, not going to the store. If he goes to the store, he was changing his clothes in the garage, throwing them right in the washer, that kind of <laughs> level of yeah. stuff. But then like two months, he was ready to drive off into the woods of Missouri to go live <laughs> off the grid as things were going. And then two months yeah. later, it was the disease is no big deal. And this is all a plan for Bill Gates to put a chip in his arm. And it's like, <laughs> how do you go from you wash, you disrobe in the garage to the disease is nothing. And this is all just Bill Gates trying to implant me. I don't understand. But Well, well my favorite, though, is how the media covered COVID <clears throat> and the people who are opening up their businesses. And who yeah. are going to church and stuff. They're calling them horrible people. Horribly selfish people. And then the George Floyd stuff happened. And the, the enormous riots and protests all across the country. Not one peep about COVID. You didn't hear one damn thing about COVID for lo- those two weeks. Uh, yeah. No one criticizing the protesters. No one saying a bad thing about them for not wearing masks. And for grouping in groups of hundreds of thousands. Not one word. And then as soon as the protests and that stuff died down, boom, right back to COVID. And it's like, holy fuck. I don't know. It just seems too convenient. I don't know. Um, yeah. Also, the mask stuff just drives me crazy because the people who don't want to wear masks, I've heard people say, you know, it suffocates you and you breathe in your own carbon yeah. dioxide. It's like, well, there is something to that. There actually is something to that, I guess. And more studies well, have come out showing it can affect you. <laughs> so I don't know. Sure. But the, you well, know, these you are gotta keep it, healthy people. But yeah, you got to keep in mind, not everybody, works. like I consider, I'm sure, Tuffy, you're a physical specimen with the jogging and the smoking at the same time. So it may not affect you. And, you know, yeah. I'm in pretty good shape, so it doesn't really affect me. But I'm guessing if you're an older person, like, I've heard my mom say she hates wearing the mask. It's tough to breathe. And so I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, in different people, different circumstances. Certainly some people, I'm sure it's more difficult to breathe with a mask on. But, uh, like, other people my age, mid-30s, complaining about having to wear a mask, it's like, you can wear a mask. It's fine. You'll be fine. It's not that big of a problem to wear a mask for an hour or two if you go to the mall or something. What, what about schools, Tuffy? Think they're going to open the schools? Well, that's a tricky question. Yeah. Is. Uh, you know, I have a cousin who has kids who are like seven, eight, and 10 or something like that. I have nephews and nieces who one of them would be in first grade this year and the rest of them are all under school age. And I know my sister in law said, like, I can't be at home and help her with e learning and be running a daycare basically for the other three kids. That's not a plausible thing. And, you know, parents have households where either it's one parent who has to go to work or two parents who work like you can't just have your kid at home learning by themselves so that's a a different problem now that most everything is reopened yeah and like all the studies up until now have shown that kids handle it very well you know Mm -hmm. a a couple kids have died but i mean a couple kids die from the flu every year too um but it shows the kids handle it very well and that there's a lack of transmission from kids to adults. Because that's the big yeah. thing. Like kid, Kids are nothing but little uh, walking germs. You know, they're just yeah. walking petri dishes of germs. So you would think, well, the big danger is them coming home then and passing on to their, their parents or grandparents and stuff. But it seems like that doesn't happen. And so just when uh, Trump uh, and even the CDC said it was time to open up uh, schools again, then uh, I saw a couple of studies came out the other day from Italy saying that kids can pass it to adults. But those studies weren't peer reviewed yet or but they're trying to hype those up as uh, evidence that it can. So it's almost like they're trying to shut down the schools to call. I I don't know. Yeah, Um, the school stuff is more of a logistical question to me of if you don't have kids in school, like that's free daycare for most people who now have to figure that out. And that's 
those people got to go to work too. In most jobs, you still have to go to work. Like if you yeah. work in an office, maybe you can work from home. If you work in a store, if you work at a factory, like you got to go to work. You can't do that from home. Exactly. And, and I mean, it's not like every kid has a, can just learn online. Not every kid has great internet access and computers, you know, like they just learn online. Yeah. Um, you kind of need to go um, to school. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I don't yeah. Know. I know like my cousin, their house is kind of out in the country where they don't have like, they don't have internet available at their address because they're kind of out in the country. So they can't yeah. have the internet. So they are, they're running like hotspots and the Wi-Fi's, you know, kind of hit or miss with that. But uh, hey, that's something. That's another topic we could address is maybe uh, that Elon Musk, his little satellite thing he's got going on with his internet. <laughs> that's got to be something there. Yeah. It's uh, what is he called? Starlink? Is that what he's calling it? Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk. I don't trust that guy. <laughs> he seems he seems like one of those alien babies that were bred from that, that breeding program. Yeah. yeah, there's something going on there. Yeah, he, him and Zuckerberg, they were part of the yeah. alien breeding program. And they found um, another alien with his uh, with his wife there, and even their kid, whatever that weird name was. Yeah, just like a number or something. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to mention about the COVIDs, but uh, I think we covered everything. Um, well, we had talked about the possible origins on the LCS show back in the day, so uh, I don't know, whatever. Um, so uh, I guess that's it, Tuffy. Anything else? No, nothing for public consumption. <laughs> All, right. All right, well, we'll talk off the air. But uh, I think it was a successful first show of the Abena Worker podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us, Tuffy. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, anytime. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying we because I mean me and the thousands of listeners. We appreciate it. Yeah, you and uh, I don't know, maybe Jank. I don't think Larry's listening to this. Matt Diggs. Yeah. It's, uh, so I don't. Ne- next time, next time Vino's we're back. Sitting in the background right now. <laughs> you just don't know next, time next time we're back, we'll uh, probably do an episode about Trump and uh, how the media covers him. Is he good? Is he bad? Uh, maybe we'll get Matt Diggs to come on because he. I know he follows QAnon a lot, <laughs> so maybe yeah. he can. Get him on to talk about QAnon. Um, but uh, so that'll be the next episode. I don't know when it'll happen, but uh, yeah, we'll have to get cousin Brandon on for that one. <laughs> what is Brandon's problem? <laughs> I, I so worry about that kid. Good lord, uh, alcohol. Is... <laughs> like the other day, he uh, he put out a tweet. Just remember, you can always go punch a Nazi. It's a little treat for you. All right, Brandon. Uh, you're 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 45. You like Taylor Swift. You're not punching anybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's not punching anybody. Uh, what, what, yeah. yeah I don't. <laughs> we need an intervention with Brandon. <laughs> His obsession with Trump is a little too much. It's too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just I don't understand anybody who cares that much about. Yes, anything. I don't get it. I don't get it. But whatever. <laughs> we'll talk about it next time. So until then, I need a catchphrase, Tuffy. Uh, to, to sign off with. Um, I yeah, I should have put some thought into this. Yeah, we'll have to think about that for the next one. Yeah, send your suggestions. <laughs> but until next yeah, time, audience engagement—that's the key. Uh, yes, audience engagement. I'm sure I'll be uh, being engaged with the uh, you know the NSA and uh, uh. <laughs> but anyway. Thanks to Tuffy, and thanks to you for listening, and until next time, bye.
That's not a catchphrase. That's a terrible catchphrase. But anyway, all right. Reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks. And it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all, at all, at all. Yeah, you know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. <laughs>